Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. We are back. A few more technical difficulties, but at least now it's not 10 p.m. That is true. It is 10 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact. Yes. Far too early. On. We've been recording since. Yeah. No. <laughs> a lot of it was on the cutting floor. We don't, we just don't show everyone that. Well, Adam seemed to have a lot of energy the other night, so it seemed like he really wanted to do a three-hour episode. I, I, even when we finished, I sort of had a, a wave of emotion hit me with the Gallagher stuff, and there's been more things ever since. But you know, I, I was feeling it. Um, you know what? Today is a special episode because we have the main event returning. A ring a ding ding. Later on in the show, I promise you, this is going to be spicy, listeners. So you need. To stay tuned at the end of the episode we're going to be having a discussion because i want to talk about phil Deneau and how the canadians can realistically keep him on and how it actually helps the team in the long term okay. i promise it will be fine it will be spicy it'll be great uh what else is on the docket we're going to project lines for the canadians the leafs and the ducks yeah wow surprise yeah because we've all been uh, ducks fans this whole time so yeah, yes so oh my god it's it's like when you play smash bros it's like a new challenger has appeared it's like a new ducks <laughs> fan the ducks are now a permanent mainstay of the show it's gonna be great maybe not staying up till 10 o'clock to watch Here the games, there. but you know what we have the ducks we'll talk about them with daniel and all that we're gonna talk about jumbo joe signing into Toronto. mark bergeron was getting emotional cody cc has a new home ladies and gentlemen but first Thank God. Let's let's pick on Minnesota. Okay. Last uh, last night, I asked both of you, could you just look, fellas, at Minnesota's lineup for last year, and give me a word or two about how it made you feel, Alex? First off, I think I was pretty quick to answer that question, and I and I realized afterwards you didn't actually want me to answer the question. Um, <clears throat> pardon. I wanted to wait till the show, but with Minnesota, it's just the word you gave me was just so encapsulating that I think it just, it had to be said right away. Uh, mediocre. <laughs> Daniel, what was your word when you thought of, uh, looked at the 18, no, the 1920 Minnesota Wild? Confusing, to be honest. Um, That's a good yes, one. Yes, and it's because, yeah, it's because it's confusing and understandable in a way that you could you have to kind of work around these contracts where in a way I think the Wild have been kind of blessed with how good Ryan Suter has stayed despite his age mm-hmm. and how many minutes they give him or you know he the injuries but Zach Parise you know he has come back and he's still as advertised but no not 2011 no that 2010 2012 
Zach Parise anymore, but I think you have those kind of anchors on them. They have to do whatever they can to say, like, you know, we still have to kind of try to win. We can't really tear this down completely. So confusing because, you know, Matt Zuccarello, uh, Jared Splurgeon, but then again, you know, they have, you know, Kevin Fiala, they have Joel Erickson Eck, and but at the same time, you trade Luke Cunning. So, you know, it's, it's kind of confusing to me. You know, it's funny. I have Jared Spurge in my hockey ultimate team. He's my third line. Um, he's one of my third line defensemen. Solid player. Now, when you look at what the Minnesota Wild are projecting to look like next season, whenever that happens, Alex, does it change from mediocre? Does it change from confusing? Because I'm not 100% sold on that. No, it doesn't. But I think the thing with Minnesota, and I think we were talking about it last night, is that it's not that like their NHL team is mediocre. But if you go look at the on cap friendly, go look at the uh, their minor system and who they have on the reserve list, like they have some guys who who are gonna be who are gonna be something right next year. Next year, we hope to see another step from Kevin Fiala. Uh, Kirill Kaprasov is coming from Russia. Jordan Greenway, um, I think that's about it there. And and I guess the, the thing that made Minnesota even more confusing is that Cam Talbot signing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I know they have Capo Kakinen in, in the minors, and it seemed like you know he did play some time in – in the NHL uh, this year. And I'm just looking to at when um, Alex Stalock's contract ends. Cause you know, if that, if you're going to let that guy walk, okay, I understand uh, Alex Stalock this year or this coming year and, and next year, I mean, I don't know, like, what are you going to do with Capo Capo Kakinen? Sorry. So a lot of interesting things. I, it felt to me that Minnesota made like a hundred moves. It really did feel like it. And I'm looking at a day. I have daily face-off off right now. It's like Bill Kraprasov, Marcus Johansson, and Kevin Fiala is the first line. And I'm, I'm just kind of thinking there's an honest to God projection where Marcus Johansson's your first line center. Is well, that I, a real thing? I don't necessarily think they're, they're, uh, you know what? I think we've had many discussions about Minnesota and where they're at. I don't necessarily think they're looking to be that good of a team. The only issue is they have a a pretty decent top four. Like, yes, Ryan Suter isn't that good, like isn't as good as he was, but he's still pretty good. So you have Ryan Suter, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, and Matt Dumba. And, you know, Matt Dumba's probably on his way out, but still, those are three solid defensemen. Mm-hmm. So, how do you re? I feel like the Wild are in a weird situation where they've been so mediocre and they have these decent players, but they need to rebuild or at, at bare minimum retool. So, if your forward core isn't as good, or it's just full of young guys, maybe you're hoping that you still drop because I don't know, like that's the only realistic thing I can see. Mm-hmm. Daniel. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with Alex where, you know, they still, they're definitely going to have to do a lot more reworking. Okay, the one thing, yeah, I, I really confused me is I think they know that they're not going to be as good. So, but at the same time too, like, you know, you give Cam Talbot that cap, you give him that that term when, you know, it was a goalie's market, right? Yeah. And one other thing I kind of felt is, you know, maybe it's understandable. I know they got two extra draft picks for it, but the way I kind of felt is, why did they trade Luke Cunning? And I know they got the 37th pick as a sweetener with Nick Benino for it, but this is a guy that, you know, went 15th. He's not old at all. He's 22. He was a guy that he did play center for them, and he was someone that even if they weren't going to be as good like as expected, why would you kind of give up on someone like that so early? Same thing. I know Ryan Donato, we don't know what's going on there, but, you know, that was kind of, you know, pennies on the dollar, third-round pick. You paid Charlie Coyle for this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, just for some context, on, on you talk about the Cam Talbot contract. I didn't realize he was 33. Um, and, yeah, three more years at $3.6 million for that contract. So – if Minnesota do love one thing, it is somehow getting older. And Luke, Luke like training Luke Cunning for Benito. Now, just before we move on, mm-hmm. they you talked about centers um, before, and and you know Marcus Johansson being their first line center. They have some pretty damn good centers, at least on their reserve list. Uh, two of them specifically, Marco Rossi, who obviously they got ninth overall this year, and last year twelfth overall, Matthew Boldy. So I, and then I think they have uh, Alex Kovanov. I'm not sure where he's playing at the moment. I believe in in KHL he's playing for AK Bars Kazan. Mm-hmm. Right, so like he, they have guys who will end up stepping up into the NHL. And I think especially the first two guys I named, I think you got to be high, at least on those two. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, I remember on the show criticizing the Bodie pick. And then immediately the first time I heard people who knew what they were talking about, discussing that player, I was like, all right, I'm wrong. Good player. And, and that was apparently like Paul Fenton and his son were actually very, very high on that pick. So maybe Paul Fenton didn't do as bad as a job as we all thought he did. Do you have a feeling about it? No, no, I think it was. No? Okay. It right. was, when, you, when you completely exclude your analytics department, then I think you're just, and you know, you go and watch the Super Bowl in the middle of it. Yeah. Then I'm not going to, I'm not going to mm-hmm. go, 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 uh, go read the Russo article on the athletic. All right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'll tell you what else has been amazing. I don't know if amazing is the word, but there's just, Mark Bergeron has really endeared himself to me over the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't told and, us. Yeah. This yeah, is news to me. Just, it's been a complicated relationship between Mark and I. My dear close personal friend, Mark Bergeron. Friend of the Mark show. Mark of the sea. Friend, friend of the show. Mark Have with the Mark Bergeron. Uh, in his Zoom call, he said so many, actually. His Zoom call um, about the after the Gallagher signing. He, I've only seen Mark Bergeron get emotional once in my life. And that was when he was talking about his mother who had passed away. And when talking about Brendan Gallagher more than once, he got teary-eyed. He got choked up. And in French, he said that Gally's a special player. Um, I just want to get your guys' thoughts on this because, Daniel, I can't – and you, you've been a hockey fan. You've been on this earth a little while longer than Alex and I. 
I mean, like, tell us about the Spanish flu. Have you ever seen a hockey GM get that emotional when discussing a player? Um, no, but I've seen GMs that have been, you know, attached to a certain player and kind of justify what they did to kind of get there, even though it was kind of being on the losing end. So I guess like in terms of range of emotion, I'll use Brian Burke, for example, where after he got also, by the way, get his new book. It's amazing. Um, It's just this kind of thing where he defended the Phil Kessel deal for so long. And, you know, it's understandable. I like, I was a Phil Kessel fan, but it was just kind of a thing where, Oh, you got the book. Amazing. Burke's Um, You know, this is kind of a spoiler to it, but this is not really that much of a spoiler because it happened in real life. So (laughs) what I'm seeing is he's emotional in a way where he defends the Phil Kessel thing, where he talks about how he just needed to get the guy. He needed to get Phil Kessel and, he went back right. to Chicago, got his own second round pick back, so he could. He's like, he tell um, he would tell Peter Shirelli, then GM of the Bruins, Peter Shirelli, hey man, if you don't accept my deal of two first round picks in a second, I'm gonna offer sheet Phil Kessel. And it, yeah, go. Sorry. When that happened, the next few years when talking when people when he was actually recouping assets to try to get back in the draft, like you know, getting a first round pick for Christopher Stieg, he still defended the Phil Kessel trade. Like, yeah, you know, I. You know what can I do? I can't draft a generational player like Sidney Crosby. That was a lottery. And he just kept talking about, you know, we needed talent here. So I guess that's my one example where you could see one GM get emotional over, you know, a certain player, but you know, in a different way. If you've if you listen to Hockey Central, you've heard that story more than once. I bet it's in the book. I bet yeah. hey, did you guys know he drafted both? Sedin twins. A chapter is literally called oh. drafting the twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, Alex, Mark Bergevin. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a GM in that way. Like I've I've seen upset general managers. Uh, I live in Toronto, so I'm a Leafs fan. I've seen my fair share of upset managers, but. Uh, Mike Fuda said something. I don't remember if it was uh, on Good Show or if it was on the actual broadcast. It's on the draft broadcast itself. But um, be, I guess because he's more of a scouting guy, um, his he's more connected to the to the actual picks themselves and the people. So when you actually go out and trade that player, for him, he said it was emotional. To go and say, uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of a player, and literally any player, just to go up to him and say you've been traded. He said it was emotional for him, so maybe not, not on camera, but behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? By the way, I think Mark Bergeron should be GM of the year, or he should be a finalist. Oh, that's that's that is that is a hot take. I wait till that team gets on the ice. Okay, I have one question. Um, before we move on this, Mm -hmm. who kind of like okay, so I see it this way it's kind of like a redemption story kind of thing where like you know they're pulling the move. So, who had a better offseason, Mark Bergevin or Jim Benning? Oh, Mark Bergeron. Not even that's not even a question. The the reason people are praising Jim Benning is because he didn't 
signed Markstrom and ten of to those contracts. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bergeron actually went out and improved the team. And, and and the reason I say I'm not giving, I'm not making him a finalist yet. And 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 I think it'd be crazy for us to sit here and make predictions on who would be GM of the year finalist is because the team hasn't hit the ice. If Montreal, God forbid, Montreal doesn't make the playoffs, not not a final finalist and the same goes with other other gyms like how is julian breezeball going to handle having to deal with sorelli and sergachev how what will colorado look like next year like is the brendan sod is he actually going to work with that team because if he doesn't why would he be a finalist here's what i'm going to say to you guys okay and i spent a stupid amount of time on this okay why did the Habs not make the playoffs last year? Well, they did. No, okay, okay. Hold on a minute. Okay. They qualified for it after the BS with Pittsburgh. Okay. They were 24th. They were they they didn't make the playoffs. Like let's be Okay, honest. they didn't make the playoffs. Did they like streaks tank them? Like losing yes, Absolutely. Okay. Here is it by the number. Numbers don't lie. Okay. Unless they do. The 19th rank penalty kill and the 22nd power play. Okay. okay. Outside of their main fight, five on five play, they're 19th in goals per game. Okay. This is what they moved out. Two thirds, Domi. They still have two seconds next year, by the way. A fifth and a seventh. They brought in Allen, Edmondson, Anderson, and Toffoli. Also, another criticism of this team, one that I have not always believed in, but guys like Brian Burke and Tony Marrero have mentioned that they do not like the fact the Canadians are not a big team. So I want to just look at these individual players for a second. Edmondson does have size. He can skate, and he's an effective penalty killer. And he won a cup with the Blues. Now, there's a reason I mentioned that. Joss Anderson. Now, I was reading up on Columbus's penalty kill. One of the reasons they're going to miss Joss Anderson is because he was an effective part of a very aggressive penalty kill. Right. There is a scoring touch. We don't know if it's going to be effective quite yet, but I have a feeling if he's not going to hit 30 goals, which I don't think he will, I think it's safe he's going to score between 15 and like 22 anyway. And he's got some size to him. If he's healthy, yeah. Tyler Toffoli. He's a big guy. He doesn't play that physical style, but he is a big dude. And what does he do? Simply, he drives offense and he scores, he scores, he scores. And he also won a Stanley Cup with the LA Kings. Jake Allen won a cup with the Blues, addressing the backup situation, which again, I have been so vocal on how long they needed to fix this. And they're overripening Caden Primo. Now, all I love that word, by the way. What, overripen? That used to be a huge uh, Ken Holland, Mike Babcock term in Detroit. You know, our, our we like our prospects overripe. Now, with these moves, what Mark Bergevin has done is he has addressed every single need this team has. He has, Daniel, you mentioned this last week, has barely given up any assets. If we're going to have a talk about Philip Deneau staying or not, you're damn right Max Domi wasn't going to stay. He finally used his cap space, and guess what? They have young players who are waiting in the wings. Yolanin, Cam Hillis is just starting the AHO, Caulfield, Josh Brook. All of the moves that Bergeron has made has not only, have not only improved the Canadians on the ice, but off the ice. 
and I think that on is paper. massive because now you have a what looks like a fantastic team on paper, and you have a strong locker room, which we do not we laugh and scoff at, but it's important. Especially you have so many guys that have been there and have done the thing, as Steve Dangle says. That's why I think Bergeron should seriously be considered to be a finalist for the Jim Gregory and why I think he will be. Okay, but that still doesn't answer. Okay, sure, I guess. But the thing I'm saying is if that team steps on the ice and it actually implodes, then then what? Then he's not a finalist. That's what I'm saying. He can build the team all he wants. And I agree, based on those moves, Sure, he should be a finalist based on past experience. And the, and the reason I'm bringing, bringing this up, last year, Dubas traded for Barry. And, when we, and, and on this show, I'm very sure I praised Dubas for that. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't the guy. And, and we all said, okay, you know what? Let's write this down on paper. And he and it looked like it looked beautifully. Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry. I mean, he's Riley still didn't have a partner, but it was a be, It looked like a better defensive core. And as soon as it stepped on the ice, that thing imploded within the first five games. And but I understand, based on paper transactions, absolutely, he is. He should be a finalist. Daniel, anything to say before uh, we move on then? Hello? I think, yeah, it's kind of a mix of things. It's kind of a mix of things where, you know, like I am really praising. Also, I don't know. I'm kind of biased here right now. I really love that I predicted Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> that was my dark horse one. And it was like one of the ones I got correct on um, our previous episode when it came to free agency. And the way I kind of see it is I agree he has addressed a lot of things. Um I think that they're not done. There's going to be a lot of other moves kind of going on to see like, okay, where is this team at? And I think that it is a mix of wait and see how they are on the ice. But at the same time too, it's just, it's like he said of kind of like a new standard where this is what to kind of expect from the team. Because I think the last two years we've talked about like the lack of moves. Now I think he's at a place where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you got to feel for it. You got to feel for for doing these types of deals, for doing these types of signings, saying that, you know, we're going to give this core another chance with things. And, you know, it's okay that we're going to allow the young guys to kind of, you know, settle in and, you know, continue development. I think one thing for me has been, yeah, I know U.S. Barry Kokinyemi has been pretty good coming in. But when I look at like Nick Suzuki or, you know, Cole Caulfield still in school, these are guys where I think that, you know, you you kind of want them to continue a development, but in a gradual stage. I think Kokinyemi, he's been able to deal the adversity really well when, you know, he was struggling, he was sent down. But that's something I think it's just for me, what I kind of think is that when the system was kind of like how it was two years ago, you don't let that guy make the opening night roster. But the way I th- see it now, it's like when the young guy's coming into a system like this, it's a lot better. So, like, for Nick Suzuki or, like, Cole Caulfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, but credit to Kakinami. If Like, in preseason, he really – I think he, he made it impossible for them. By the way, um, he was loaned to Pori, the, fin- uh, the Finnish team, so he'll be, uh, he'll be getting some games in one of there. Okay. Um, I, can I screen share right now? Uh, let me double check. You can now. Okay. Um, 
Lions then. I'll quickly bring up you guys what I kind of have projected for Montreal's Lions next year. All right. Let's just make sure I've got nothing embarrassing up. All right. So I love my spreadsheets. So first line, uh, it's the safe line. Uh, since Tatar came to Montreal and he's in pair with Deno and Gallagher, it's been their most consistent line. Um, but hey, if things don't go well, you have plenty of more players to sort of mix up here. So don't be afraid to try something new, uh, Julia. So Deno, Gallagher, Tatar, obviously. The second line, Suzuki pass puck well. Toffoli shoot puck well. I, I don't think that's very really <laughs> difficult. Um, Lekkonen is your Swiss Army knife player. So if there's ever something going wrong on the play, it will very rarely be Arturi Lekkonen's fault. And I think he'd be a really good compliment to the game of Suzuki and Toffoli. Um, and you know what? Lekkonen's also very, very good at creating chances. It's just he's incredibly unlucky. And um, listen, those chances are going to spill over to Toffoli and Suzuki. Third line, when Jordan was able to play well last year before injuries just destroyed his entire season, he played with Kotkaniemi. And also, looking back on this time with Tampa, some of his best sort of games were actually playing with Alex Kalorn. So I'm thinking if you give him that sort of grunt player in Anderson, and Kotkinemi is not a grunt, but Anderson and Kotkinemi's physical game, which Kotkinemi started to unlock in the playoffs, I think can really sort of push Drew to be like, man, you need to get in those dirty corners. And also, Kakinemi needs to be more selfish shooting the puck. And Jonathan Drew in every couple of games makes one of those passes where you realize, oh boy, no wonder this guy went third overall. And then the fourth line is just guys who are left. But Armia is a guy who can score you 40 goals. You cannot knock that guy off. 40 goals? Sorry, 20 goals. 20 goals. He was he was on pace for 20 before the season um, just imploded. Uh, Jake Evans is – I've talked about him enough. And Paul Byron, offense has gone down with him, yes – but his penalty killing and his speed have not. And honestly, those three guys, if you throw any of their defense, Montreal's defensemen out there, that's your penalty killing. Right? Speaking of the defensemen, Weber Sherratt speaks for itself. Edmondson was brought in to play with Petrie. I have Romanov on the right because apparently he can play both. So we're going to see how that goes. And I don't quite trust Mete to play with a rookie. So I'm putting Kool-Aid there, but Mete and Fleury are your first guys getting in. A uh, wheel impaling for the forwards, by the way. So Price. you're saying Victor Mete does not start? No, I don't think so. I don't trust That's him yet. Bad. That's awful. That's no, not- no, 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 no. I- I mean, well, he was. Everyone praised the guy again. Like that's the second guy, first paling, and now Mete. Well, 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 hold on a minute. No, no, it's that's nothing near the, the same situation. Paling wasn't in shape. The guy didn't play well. Mete's not bad. It's just I don't trust him to play with Romanov yet. Like, I think Mete, this is his third or fourth season. I just don't – I would rather see Kulak at first. Like this. I don't think it looks good to have him as your seventh defenseman. You can move things around. Like, does Edmondson have to play with Petrie? I know that's what they said, but – We'll see. Again, I'm just projecting to start the line. Listen, like I said with Deneau, don't be afraid to change stuff. You have, you have the option. It's just – I don't like the idea of just having two very young defensemen quite yet. And I think you have to be, you, yeah. have, you really have to just be careful with Romanov. And I would much rather trust him with Kulak. That's just my thing. You can listen. We talked about last episode, the idea of, of teams using more seventh defensemen. If you need Armia or even Lekin or someone out the lineup for a night to address that need, then you do it. Um, 
And then Price Allen and Lindgren's your third goalie if he's even around. I don't I don't know who's going to claim him off waivers. Um, but that's everything I got. All right. Alrighty. Cool. We'll move on to the Leafs now. And uh, we talked about this a bit last episode. Alex, you didn't see the fit, but I still Jumbo don't. Joe Thornton, the big man with the beard playing for Davos overseas. He is officially a Toronto Maple Leaf. He signed a one-year deal worth $700,000. How do and you feel? And you know what number he's going to wear? Just to just to grind it into those guys. Do you know what number he's going to wear? Was it 97? 97. <laughs> oh, just grind it right into those guys in Edmonton because I know they're thinking about it. Um, yeah, like, listen, it's not that it's a bad signing, right? It, it's not, it's not that it's, I just don't necessarily see the fit with, with the team, the way it's currently constructed, because mm-hmm. you kind of have a fourth line center and a guy like Spezza or Engvall, if he makes the lineup. Um, so to, to throw Jumbo Joe in there, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily th- see the biggest fit, but in terms of my lines, um, so starting up front, first line, or yeah, 1A, um, Zach Hyman on the left, Austin Matthews down the middle, and uh, Mitch Marner um, on the right. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. I think they start and with that, and I think, you know, you try it again and kind of see, see what happens. In worst case, you've put Willie on that line, and I think it does – it's going to be just as powerful. You know, the first couple of years of Matthews, he was with Nylander and, and, you know, he did really succeed Um, this year. Of course it was a mix of both and he almost had 50 goals. So I don't really think it matters as long as someone can get him the puck. Um, Second line is uh, Mikhaev. I can't say his name. Mikhaev, apparently Mikhaev. Down the left, Suitman, uh, Tavares down the middle, and uh, Marner, uh, Nylander, sorry, Nylander on the right. And again, like those are inter- the, the guys are interchangeable, whether it's Hyman or Mikhaev, uh, Nylander or Marner, it's still powerful either way. Uh, and, and the bottom six is where it gets a little messy. Um, so it's going to be Jimmy VC, Alex Kerfoot. Wayne Simmons get that Harvard connection back and just throw Wayne Simmons out there and that guy will body someone. And then it's, and and this is where it got tough because I thought about Nick Robertson and I thought about the situation he's in is he's either going to be part of the taxi squad that we might get depending on this, on how the season goes or he goes back to Peterborough. But I, and I think it's better he goes back to Peterborough than just being on a taxi squad, just because I don't necessarily think that makes sense developmentally. But I also would rather if he could go to the AHL. And and apparently Mike said that there, that, that might that rule might kind of just be voided and they can go to the AHL. We also don't know if there's going to be an AHL season, so there's a lot of questions up in the air. But I decide not to go with Nick Robertson. Um, so it's going to be Pierre Engvall on the left, Joe Thorne down the middle, and Jason Spezza on the right. And, and I guess 
Thornton, Spetsik are in like they can all kind of play center, so they're all interchangeable whether they play center or whether they play wing. According to Steve Simmons, he he Joe Thornton can't play wing anyways, so I guess he's playing center. But he also said he's not a third or fourth line center, so I don't know what the hell he is. Um, and uh, goalies Anderson Campbell, not even a question. Aaron Dell's your third goalie. Defense, I've had, I've thought about this. Um, a lot, a lot, and I and I think what ends up happening is I do think they start the season with Justin Hall, but I have a feeling that Justin Hall might be traded. Really? Yes. Yeah, I I, I feel that too. Well, Danny, you just buried him in your depth chart last week. Yeah, I did. <laughs> this so this is what the the lineup lineup looks like. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Riley Brody. Brody, apparently Brody, quote unquote, carried Giordano in his Norris season. I don't exactly know what that means, but as long as Brody lets Riley do his thing and Brody can get out of the, his own zone on the right side without it being an issue, I really do think that's going to be a solid pair. Second pair is Muzzin Dermot. And I, I'll explain why. Okay. Muzzin lets guys do their thing. And he's a big body. When he played with Zaitsev, he made Zaitsev look decent. He when he put who uh when he played with Barry, it was okay. When he but he, when he played with Hall, though, he made Hall and yes, Hall did play better. And Hall is an NHL defenseman. I'm not saying that, but he let Hall do his thing, right? Hall can move the puck around, exit the zone, right? With Muzzin, though, Muzzin kind of stayed back. And I think if you let Dermot, quote-unquote, off the loose, or whatever they were saying, off the leash, that's the word yeah. I was looking for, so not loose, let loose. Um, it lets Dermot and they're saying Dermot's going to play the right side, like actually play the right side. And those, those words came out of Kyle Dubas's mouth. There aren't from, this isn't no, this isn't like speculation. This is what he said. I think that'd be an interesting pairing. And the third pairing is going to be Miko Lettinen and Zach Bogosian. And I think again, the same thing that the same thing that applies to Riley and Victor Hedman apply to Miko Lettinen. Listen, Miko Lettinen can put up points, and I think it's clear in the KHL, and I think Miko Lettinen ends up being your second power play quarterback or mm-hmm. what the same role that Morgan Riley plays on the first. And I think the way he plays with – the way Bogosian played with Hedman or whoever he was playing with – he was similar to how Ron Hainsey was with Riley, stayed back. And listen, everyone's going to make mistakes, and I think Bogosian's going to make plenty of mistakes. Like, he's not the best defenseman in the world. But I think you put him on the bottom pair, you put him with someone who hasn't played in the NHL yet. He's a big body. He'll, like, like we've talked about uh, with Simmons, he's going to throw his weight around. Mm-hmm. And then you have... Sandine kind of as a seventh defenseman more in the AHL though. Mm-hmm. 
does Sandine, just the thing on him, when does he become a full-time member of the roster? Is it that, like, everyone talks about the old Travis Dermott treatment of, like, starting in the A and then, like, you're full-time by the end. When does that happen to Sandine? Um, I mean, it could be this year. I just think it depends. It depends on how other things roll out. What does Lettinen look like? Is Travis Dermott a leaf? Um, do they trade Justin Hall? Like, I think there's all these things we have to go through. I think he could get the Travis Dermott treatment. And, you know, if Miko Lettinen doesn't work out, you throw Rasmus Sandin in there. And and again, Rasmus Sandin and Zach Bogosian as your third pair, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time to premiere the Ducks. Daniel, Hello. would you like to start with the talking points or would you like to start with your lines? Hmm. I guess <clears throat> introduction with these things where I am super hopeful, to be honest. Maybe I shouldn't be. But, you know, that Kevin Shattenkirk signing, it just kind of sat with me thinking, okay, what does this team actually kind of have? And what I've gone through is that they have a lot of mix between skill and size. Um, You know, it's not going to be perfect, but it was just like, it's kind of weird. So the one thing that was really a big snag on me was I didn't know where to put David Backus because the Ducks said they're not expected to buy him out. So that was kind of an interesting thing because so he's just going to get the pure six million. For this year, and I didn't know where to put him. So, um, just if I share my screen, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, all right. And if you want to see our lines, why don't you go check out the YouTube version of the show as we stall for Daniel to get it up? And it's there. Woo. All right, there you go. Um, yes, avoid the Isaac Lundestrom in the capitalized thing because I just wanted to make sure I uh, got his name right from Cap Friendly. Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. But anyways, um, this is kind of the lineup where I expect him to kind of roll out. So when I look at that first line, I think of familiarity and I guess the mix. I know Ryan Gessoff has been kind of had, had a bit of a down year last year, but I still expect him to be the top line center, at least for now. You know, if he struggles, you can always drop him down. You know, Ricard Raquel, he was drafted as a center. He's played center before. I feel comfortable putting him there. Troy Terry on that top line. Um, I think he's ready. He's kind of shown it. He is someone that really surprised me, like fifth round pick. Same actually fifth round as Kirill Kaprasov, 2015. It's pretty surprising. Um, he's really developed in the NCAA. I think he could take the next step now. And he's a competitive guy where he has a bit of a bite to his game. And, you know, this is going to be a very recurring theme with this lineup. So when we look at the second line, I think it's a bit of a balanced line as well. Jakob Silverberg, Adam Henrik, they all skate really well. Um, these are guys that have been pretty good secondary scorers wherever they've gone. And Maxime Comtois, I think it's time for him to kind of make kind of a bigger step. He was with the team last year, and he plays that physical game the Ducks really like. He has the size and everything in it. So I think it's a good anchor on where that is. Um, but then again, if you look at the third line, um, oh, Danton Heinen, I didn't think, I, I really did not like that deal when they traded Nick Ritchie. I think it's just, I had such a personal attachment to Nick Ritchie. But he's proven to be really well. He's more of a consistent player and he fits in the lineup a lot better. Like he is a better penalty killer. He doesn't take a lot of 
bad penalties like Nick Ritchie, and he kind of slots in wherever he goes and can be a good contributor. One thing with this line, I think Trevor Zegers makes the team. I think that depending on how well his first season goes, I'll it's going to be a mix-up between him and Adam Henrique, whether or not they anchor one or the other goes into the top six. Um, when I put Sonny Milano there, I just kind of put that as a stopgap in terms of balancing out the size and the skill because he's a guy where it didn't work out in Columbus. He was a first-round pick, and he is someone that I feel that has a chance to redeem himself with the Ducks. They gave him an extension. They believed in him. They gave him the minutes. So I'll see where that goes. If not, you know, he, I, it's either he makes the third line or he just doesn't make the team, to be honest. Um, when I look at um, the... Th- sorry to interrupt, Daniel, but yes. I love how you have a fourth defensive pairing and a fifth <laughs> forward line. He has a fifth <laughs> forward line and an extra forward. Sorry, go on because I'm very excited to. I really want to hear you talk about Isaac Lindstrom because that's a that's a player I'm excited to watch. Yeah, so when the Ducks got him, um, what they were kind of talking about was where I'm, I'm saying what we're talking about, like you know, scouts and everything. They, I think, and Bob McKenzie and Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager as well, where he is like a prototypical Ducks draft pick. And he's like considered, he was considered a safe pick where the Ducks were selecting at 20th. And I really like him. He made the team out right away after his draft because of injuries, because of like lack of center depth. But he's a guy where I think he has a lot of upside to be that solid two way guy. He's not going to score a lot, but, you know, if he could get like the 30 or, you know, even close to 40 points and still kind of anchor that bottom six i i'd love it um the two guys that i have him on the wings they're two guys where i really feel that this is the, the year as like same thing as maxim Comtois, where the pressure is kind of there for them to perform now i took sam Steele off the center off off of his like usual center because he has played wing before he's played it last year and though he was with the team there was a kind of thing where like you know there's a lot more to be desired there i think that if he plays in a more sheltered role maybe in the bottom six that he could get back to where he needs to be um he's a guy that the ducks really love they believe he could be a second line center in the future it's just he needs to be more consistent and i know that you know the 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 culture there needs to just kind of move around as well max jones he's a guy where i think he was picked a bit too high where he was 24th overall in 2016 and you know, again, another Ducks kind of guy where if it's not Swedish, then it's a it's a guy that could play that aggressive style. He also could skate. Like, that's basically how the Ducks draft. Um, so I'm hoping for him to kind of make that next step. And if I look at my fifth line, which is really kind of like a fourth line, um, these are kind of like the spare parts kind of guys where these are guys where you're going to put back into the lineup for veteran leadership or you're going to put them because you want someone to fight. So, you know, Nick DeLaurier, Derek Grant, you know, he's kind of shown that he could be a skilled center. It's just, I didn't, this is the third time he signed with the Ducks, by the way. I was going to say, he's kind of like a cockroach that he never goes away. Yeah. And I don't know where to put him, to be honest. I think like it was a weird signing because it's a one-way deal and it's a little over a million, but there's so many centers on the Ducks now that I had to put Sam Steele on the wing because I don't know where he goes. Isn't isn't there a term on it? It's three years, one and a half. Yeah. 
So, like, okay. If they didn't sign that deal, they'd be under the cap. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Not sure. understand why. And then <clears throat> David Backus. So this guy's yeah. getting $6 million. Um, Big bucks. Yes. He apparently played pretty well for the Ducks last year. He, as always, you know, he used to be a captain. He's a big veteran guy that kind of is helping the lineup right now. Um, they actually were pretty consistent when they got him. Um, looking back on that trade, because they got Axel Alexson in it Al- as well. Axel Anderson or something? Anderson. Um, I apologize. Um, Alex. What? Were Alex, you? no, um, his name Axel is Axel Anderson. Axel or, Anderson, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I kept saying Alex. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, the draft pick, right? The first first rounder. Yes. And I think they drafted Jacob Perot. Yeah. So that was pretty solid. Um, yeah. You know, it's his, his contract expiring this year. He's not going to be back, but you know, it's a solid stopgap. And you know, he when he was on Boston, he's used to being. Scratched. So if that happens for a young guy, it happens. You think uh, Carter around? Oh, sorry. It's just if you think if they don't, um, if they're not going to play him, they send him to the AHL. So there's that he doesn't have to pay into escrow. Yeah, you know that's what <laughs> the Bruins did that too last year, and you know yeah. he took it like a champ. He still reported. So, you know, if that happens again, I think he kind of knows how this whole go- thing goes on. Yeah. Um. Last guy, Carter Rowney. I just put him here because another another big guy in that fight, but he could skate. But the thing is, I don't know. The Ducks kept playing him last year. They still have paying him a little over a million. So we'll see where that goes. Now on to defense, where you know I'm pretty happy with how things are kind of shaping up. So Fowler, Manson, you know that comes back. That your top. That's your top pairing, which I still think is pretty good. If Josh Manson is a duck. Yes, he's gonna be a duck. <laughs> they love him too much. Quote Elliot Friedman, who was told by someone, "The Ducks like Josh Manson more than your wife probably likes you." Yeah. Mm. Sorry, oh, go on. Pretty, uh, why pretty you, big. I'm seeing Shattenkirk there. <laughs> yes. I wanted, since we're here, I, I want to ask you as you go into your defense here, because obviously Shats. Really turned his revived his career. We've talked about it before with, 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 with Tampa Bay. Resigns a nice little contract for himself. Yeah. What is a real expectation with Shats? Shat deuces, they call him. I think he is going to be allowed to play his own game, but without a lot of defensive pressure on him. And I think that's what happened to him in New York, where he was paid to be a guy that could play in all situations but the reality is he can't play in all situations so you go to a team where you know you have Manson you have Lindholm being your defensive anchors these guys were like you know pure defensive defensemen but you get Chatting Crick to be that quarterback on the power play a guy that you know he could play in your top four but you're not going to expect him to you know like you know, he could play his game, but he's going to have a partner that's going to be responsible enough to say, like, all right, we'll balance out each other. Um, it's interesting you was, say that. Yeah. Because they were also in on Barry, and that sounds like you just described Tyson Barry. Yeah. Um, the Ducks really wanted to kind of, like, establish that right side again. So I think that to get Kevin Chattakirk at where he was, where 
I think I, I, again it speaks confidence of where they think they can be with this team. But at the same time, it's a guy that is going to help them from that back end, and I think it 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 grounds a lot of the defensive guys back to where they feel more comfortable. Like Campus Lindholm's not going to put up a lot of points. Josh Matz is not going to put a lot. Cam Fowler, he's kind of really transformed into more of a two-way guy now. He's not the same kind of scoring left left side defenseman he was earlier in his career. So I'm I'm pretty confident with this top four. <clears throat> Go on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, I look at the way this team is constructed and – the, it's not. It's better than mediocre, but it's similar to you look at their forward core, and it's like, man, like you don't know what it is yet. Like, yeah, yeah. Terry, Comtois, Sam Steele, Lundstrom, Zegras, Jones. Like, you know what they could be, and I feel like that's what we were looking at in the Minnesota Wild. And, yeah, but they're in. A, but but they're Anaheim's in a better situation. Because they have John Gibson as well. Well, and yeah. those guys you just mentioned are all really young. Like, yeah. That's the first thing I thought when I saw this lineup, Daniel was like, I didn't. Damn, <laughs> this is a young team. Yeah. Okay, this is nothing to do with Minnesota. It's just, I just kind of feel like, you know, I look at like Isaac Lundstrom. I don't expect him to get traded for like a, you know, <laughs> right. for like yeah, a, yeah. a 32 year old center or something. No. So I think that's kind of like the difference too. And they have a lot of money coming off. So, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like it's a lot of question marks to see how these guys are going to go because, you know, they've drafted pretty well last few years, but it's just a lot of these guys that, you know, you're not going to be in the lineup immediately. And this is why I kind of have a bit of like, not here, but there's a bit of an asterisk on Jamie Drysdale. I think that it's going to be of a wait and see. Because I don't think they're at a point where they're desperate to kind of bring him in. They don't have cap problems. It's not like they don't have enough defensemen. The Ducks have enough defensemen. Um, because I didn't even put Josh Mura here. Or I didn't put like Andy Walensky here who played last year. Or uh, Braden Gould last year. Um, what I kind of see with that bottom pair is Christian Jews is going to make the team. He's been pretty good on the left side. But like... Jamie Drysdale, it could be interchanged with like a Curran or a Larson, but we'll see where that goes. If Drysdale makes a team, I think Jakob Larson is gone. Um, they've been too comfortable with developing him the last five years. Um, I really felt like that was a reach at 27th overall in the draft when it was such a strong second round. And if he's gone, then you know it's going to make sense because it just really hasn't been there too much. When I go to the goalie, so... Yeah, John Gibson, of course, number one. <clears throat> they don't actually have a backup goalie signed. So I just put their top prospect goalie prospect, Lucas Dostel, there because I realize, yeah, Ryan Miller is not is a is a UFA. I don't think they're gonna bring him back. Um there's still plenty of options right now for their backup goalie, but as of right now, it's just John Gibson and we'll see what happens. So may, may I offer you a slightly used Charlie Lindgren for goalie's backup? <laughs> <laughs> it could literally be anyone, right? Like, yeah. I, I look at this team and, and I don't think they're necessarily competing. And, you know, you could throw Jimmy Howard in there and he can go two and whatever that, like, he can get two wins the entire season. And I think Anaheim would be quite happy with that if I'm being honest. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what would I would give this team? I think they're not going to make the playoffs again, but 
the foundation is going to start to set in of what we're going to look like post Ryan Getzloff era, which is kind of sad for me, but at the same time too hopeful for the future, hopeful with what they kind of have, because like they, the, like, you know, as much as like, I don't like Bob Murray's trades all the time. Like he know he them and his staff really know how to draft. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, look at the defenseman. Like literally that's all the ducks do. Like, and, defenseman, and yeah. Defenseman, man. It's insane. And Jamie Drysdale again dropped to them. Yeah. On, a, on an absolute platter. Mm-hmm. Right. Dan the man. Here's what I wonder. Dan the man. This is the, the big question I always have when I look at Anaheim. Daniel yeah. the manual. And I'm going to put two things together here. Dallas Akins and everyone else around that staff are obviously staying around. Do they have enough with this roster? To help out poor John Gibson. <laughs> like, like I obviously maybe not make the playoffs, but in the Pacific, it's a crapshoot, right? Mm-hmm. But like, can we just give John Gibson a hand? Because it it's a it's cut from the same cloth of, of I just want this poor goaltender to get some support. I feel so bad for him, Daniel. I think defensively they're gonna be okay. Like it's so solid still there, and they have so many options. I think I think I think it just in terms of scoring. They have to get they they were they had a lot of cold streaks last year, and it's kind of understandable because you know it's a mix of injuries and of these young guys where you're like thrust into the lineup so early. Um, you know, Getzlaff was injured, and Henrique had a bit of time off, and what it ends up happening is that you'll have yeah the Ricard Raquel on your top line, but then you're like suddenly shit like shuffling Sam Steele. Uh, Maxime Comtois, Troy Terry, these guys who you know should have consistent, a, like a consistent position on the team, and they're like suddenly pushed up so so high and getting these top line minutes because the Ducks simply had no one else to kind of fill those minutes, and it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how these games go. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of two one and three two games. Okay. <laughs> Daniel, be sorry, Adam, before we move on, I have some breaking news just for Daniel. Because it's about Barrett Hayden. And I know Adam doesn't really care. Um, okay. He has been loaned to Tamperine Eels in Finland. Oh, I thought he was going to be traded to the Ducks. No, no <laughs> fortunately not. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the Ducks, Dan? I am confident. <laughs> and we will see how things go. Mm-hmm. With them, um, it's an exciting time for them. Um, kind of, it's kind of unfortunate that they're not competing, which is understandable given the age of Getzlaff. And you know, but the thing is, like, I have to praise Bob Murray for the way he's been able to turn over this roster the last few years. Like, it was so subtle at first, like getting guys in the like the later rounds, and then now it's like everything kind of coming to fruition. So I'm I'm confident for the future. You know, honestly, the Rangers and rightfully so are getting a lot of um, sort of credit for their rebuild. Uh, the Ducks, looking at some of the players they have there, they're not far behind. And uh, no one talks about it. Kind of like Ryan Getzlaff. We all know he's wicked. No one talks about it. Um, right, guys. What we will talk about now is nothing is confirmed yet. We don't know what's going on with the season, but there is a very strong, there have been multiple reports that maybe. When return to play does happen because of border stuff and all that, yeah. you know, 
government stuff, you know, health health regulations, all this type of nonsense. Not nonsense, you know what I mean. That we could have an all-Canadian division come next season. Yeah, I think Bill Foley said it. Uh, Owner of the Golden Knights. See, I'm pretty excited. uh, It is, it's going to destroy hockey Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad enough uh, teams play, but like we'll have one episode on just tweets. Probably. <laughs> Steve Simmons says something. I run my head through a wall. Damian Cox says something. There's another hole in the wall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like is- Alec, you suddenly put up the poster. Why is that? Because <laughs> there's like five Over holes the holes. In the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Go. It's just. Uh, I just want to, I want an outline. Like, I want to know what's the plan. Are you still going to travel? Because it's weird. Numbers are still, numbers are, are not going down, people. And really, like, at one point, I haven't seen the numbers for today, but over the last few weeks, there's a, there, was a, there was a period where Ontario's numbers were higher than they were when we had our first initial lockdown. Mm-hmm. And of course, now deaths are low, but that is going to catch up. And testing is quadruple. Mm-hmm. I'm just, just a fact. Well, okay. No, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not making a point. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like Quebec's in, in like red zone. There's check marks to stop unnecessary traveling. Uh, I have the number. I don't know if you want it for yeah, today. Yeah. What, so, uh, yeah. 658. And that's from Christine Elliott, the um, deputy uh, minister of health. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be like if this does happen, because I'm still kind of worried about return to play here. Um, and trust me, of course, I, I wanted to be back, right? And I, I could, an all Canadian division would be really fun. Like, let's not even lie here; it's going to be so much fun. I know not everyone is excited for it. Um, oh, everyone should absolutely be excited for it. <laughs> See, and this is weird because obviously if we aren't allowed to have fans in the arena, are we going to have a season? No. And that's the big thing. That's the question. I don't mean to put a damper, damp, like still hard to talk. Sorry. No I don't want to put a dampener on this, but. I, I don't see us having a season anymore. I, I've kind of talked myself into you now. I just, really? I can't see it. I mean, we, th- oh, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but it's fine. And I'm bringing this up just cause I feel like we had, we had these same discussions back in, in March. We said, Oh, there's no way they're gonna, there's no way they're going to come back with the season. It just, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And, and and they did. And I guess in, under extremely special circumstances, the thing. Okay. So if you look at it economically and in terms of growing the game in this country, because let's be real. I think I threw out the numbers last episode or two episodes ago. The NHL does not look, it is not, trending up it trending upwards in in a very positive direction of course it's kind of trending upwards but not at a at the rate of other of other things to have an all canadian division 
I think would be by far the best thing that the league could do because it creates so much more interest north of the border. You think anyone cares when Toronto played? Okay, pre-2016, you think anyone ever cared when Toronto played Arizona? No. 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 Do you think anyone cares when Toronto plays Florida? No. No. Do you think people care when Toronto play Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton? Absolutely. Christ. It's the car outside of Greece. (laughs) Absolutely. I I think it'd be one of the best things economically for the league to have an all-Canadian division because it creates interest, more interest in the country. This is a random thing, but it's just because we've been talking about the NHL games for so long. And, okay, I'm not sure my age here, but when I was playing the older games, I kind of went back to them thinking about my childhood. I remember that the biggest thing, and also, you know, this is also attributes to like stories from my parents where they used to go to leave games in the 90s where it was always about Montreal versus Toronto. It was then like the battle of Ontario was kind of like a new concept to them in a way. And I think that if you have the ability to kind of foster both of those at the same time, you know, that'd be great. I think, Um, I think that would really renew a lot of renew a lot of like, you know, the history behind it, Montreal and Toronto, but also in a way, like make sure that, you know, you're not pushing away the Ottawa Toronto rivalry because like when i look back on things where for example 2004 because i don't know this offseason has reminded me of 2004 okay because this was that was the year the leafs like literally had like six hall of famers on their team it was like <laughs> joe newendike um yeah joe newendike matt sandine uh ron francis brian leach they were all on the leaf because they kept getting these guys to try to like improve the core and i think that's really reminded me, but like that was the same time where like Ottawa was kind of really trending up and, you know, people were kind of looking at that battle of Ontario, but then with like Montreal, you know, they were still kind of like that team, like they had Saka Koivu, they had Jose Theodore, they had all these guys. So I think that I think about that, those times I think about where we could maybe see more of an improvement there with an all Canadian division. And it's something where I think that it's going to, have more of an appeal to other people, especially with like they have that regional part. But you know, again, it's it's whatever is best in terms of safety. See, and that's that's the right question. Now, I was wrong about the bubble. I'll take that on the chin. But they're not going to do a bubble again. No. It's too much money. And yeah, you look at the NFL aren't doing it right. The MLB learned from their mistakes and fixed it for the playoffs. By the way, suck at Astros, damn cheaters. I uh, you better have a damn system ready, because I, honest honestly, if you're just traveling from arena to arena, and I don't think that's what they're gonna do, then you need to not bother because you're not healthy. Like the Joker would be doing more to flatten the curve when he's going to see Harvey. Was that you? Did you post that on Twitter or Instagram? On on Twitter. That was a okay. good one. I like that one. Yeah. For those of you who who don't know, if you ever watched The Dark Knight, the scene when the Joker goes to talk to Harvey Dent, he's wearing a mask. Yeah. And then when he leaves, he sanitizes his hands. So the Joker's Joker's doing it. Yeah, and apparently he couldn't recognize the Joker from the top half of his face. 
Well, he does oh. take it off afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I guess to speak on that point, um, just because I, I haven't yet, there's, okay, there is a very small chance that the NHL starts the 2020 2021 season with no fans in the stands or like Bettman said, he goes, well, you know, we can start the season with no fans and then go to some fans and then more fans depending on the situation. I find that hard to believe. They, they recouped some losses by finishing their TV deal for the year by having the round robin games and all those games plus playoffs, which were extremely down. I don't know if you saw the numbers. The Stanley Cup final numbers were not as like were historically down. The the reason for that probably because there's a billion other sports going on at the same time is my guess. Um it doesn't work economically. And, you know, Eugene Melnick said, oh, I have this plan to have 6,000 people in my stadium, which is probably the same amount of people he ha- he'd have either way. Without COVID, he'd still have 6,000 people only in his stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it economically doesn't make sense. I don't think the owners are going to be down to say, yeah, we're going to pay all these guys and the only thing we get is TV revenue, Mm -hmm. which is minute. Like, the ticket sales are worth more than 50% of hockey-related revenue each year. It's a lot of money. They don't have the luxury of other leagues who have ginormous... TV deals. They don't. They just don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for the AHL, the CHL, the ECHL. If anything, those leagues are in a worse situation. I have no idea yeah. how the how any CHL league is running right now. The Q is getting hammered with COVID. They are. I don't know what they're doing. Um, right. We now have more stuff from signing season, then we'll get to the main event. First off, ladies and gentlemen, the Rangers pen to paper with two players, resigning both Alexander Georgiev and Tony D'Angelo, the two-year extension. Not Shostorkin, Adam, idiot. 2.425 for Georgiev and 4.8 for Tony D'Angelo. You guys have a thought um, for either of these deals. I don't care who goes. Uh, Dan, you can go. Uh, yeah, one, I think that one was expected. That's great for them. Uh, really great young tandem they have there now with the Rangers post Lundqvist era. Um, the Tony D'Angelo one, um, it's kind of weird because I, I feel like they've only been calling him Tony, what, the last two, three years? Yeah. I kept saying Anthony D'Angelo for the longest time, so it kind of throws me off when I hear Tony. Um, I think that was a great signing for them. I thoroughly thought that. I think I predicted this before the whole bubble that he was going to kind of try to break the bank with the Rangers. But, you know, he didn't. He kind of, you know, it was a pretty solid bridge deal. Um, he has surprised me a lot because I remember in 2016 draft when Steve Eiserman just traded him for a second round pick that became Libor Hayek, which ironically is also on the Rangers now because of the Ryan McDonough trade. But, 
when that kind of happened, I kind of felt like, all right, yeah, like they kind of like gave up on this guy. They gave up on what he can be. And, you know, we don't know what what else was kind of going on. But then suddenly, and then he goes to, he goes to the Rangers in the anti-Rotna trade. And suddenly he becomes that defenseman that everyone kind of expected him to be when he went 19th overall in 2014. So I think it's a great deal. I think he knows, he feels that there is a really, definitely a fit there and i think that he will continue to develop so good on the rangers on not you know getting fleeced with this mm-hmm. yeah uh i expected tony d'angelo to walk into arbitration and ask for a long-term deal and i think that's the whole point of him that was the whole point of him taking the one year prove me deal right to say hey listen like this is the guy i am and you're gonna pay me like it I don't necessarily think the bridge deal is the worst thing in the world. I think it, I mean, they still have tons of cap space. They have still have 10.8 in cap space and they still got a, they still have Ryan Strom and Brendan Lemieux and whatever other move they might make. So I guess it leaves them a little bit of flexibility for the next couple of years, but I, I expected more from out of more money for Tony D'Angelo and, and in terms of Alex Georgiev, I don't mind that deal at all. Um, you know, he has a limited amount of NHL games, obviously. And obviously there was all the trade rumors linking him to literally everywhere. Um, it'll be, I, I think he'll, he'll, it'll be worth that deal is absolutely worth it for him. If he, if he stays the course of what he was doing this year. Mm-hmm. Sorry if you heard Siri there being annoying. Hi Siri. I turned it off. No, Evgeny Dadanov. It turned it. It turned on mine, by the way. Oh. Evgeny Dadanov signs with the Sens for three years, five million dollar AAV, and good for okay. that. <laughs> you know who? You know who else signed? One body. Who? Joey Decord. That's very true. Just Boy. saying. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to talk about? Evgeny Dadunov or Daddy Odov or whatever. Quick, quickly, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> the person we're having on on the twenty fifth is that like official official? Yeah. Was the twenty fifth? Yeah. Okay, we'll tease that later, eh? Okay. Okay, just I, I just remember that. Um, just gotta confirm a time. Yeah, Evgeny Dadunov. Um. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, he could score goals. Good. You need the warm bodies, I guess. Not expect. I didn't expect it. I don't know about you guys. I did not expect the Senators to go and get Evgeny Dadinov. Me I mean, Pierre Dorian said their right side is a little weak. Um, right now, I think it's Connor Brown, Austin Watson, uh, Evgeny Dadinov. I do. Right oh, yeah. Rudolph Balsers, yes, as well. Um, I like, I mean, listen, like, I, I like it. I expected that enough to get more, to be honest. And I think when we did our predictions, I had him closer to six million, but obviously that was before we, we realized that it was going to be bad. Yeah. And again, it's backloaded. <laughs> Which I'm surprised. I thought they'd just say, hey, just we're going to give you all this money, $5 million each year. I didn't think they were going to backload it knowing Eugene. Um, 
I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I think it works for Ottawa because they're trying to get better. And I think he'd be an interesting guy to have in the locker room and he can score. He put up 25 goals last year. Mm-hmm. I think the way I kind of see it was in two ways. I thought he was going to go to an immediate contender given his age that he wanted to kind of win. And, you know, it was a bit of a lower cap than I expected. I had him at the 6.5 range. But I guess, like, you know, the moves kind of dictated the market. And the way, way I kind of see it is, you know, this is kind of something that I, I don't really have any insight in towards. But I really thought the Sens were going to go for, like, you know, a prime guy that, you know, has in the past shown a lot, a bit more leadership, um, which is something that, you know, you could never get too much when you have a team full of prospects. So I think Evgeny Dadanoff does feel the need for them now. But I just was kind of surprised because, like, he is going to compete. And, you know, I guess for someone who's been in Florida for so long and he's already 30, I thought he was going to go to a team where, you know, he's going to play his prime years and kind of be that type of contributor. Where, again, I could be wrong about this because, you know, the Senators might have a crazy, like, two or three years. They've made a lot of moves and maybe suddenly, like, they find themselves in a place where, Dadanoff has never experienced that type of success because, you know, he's been on the Panthers for quite some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Eugene said they're going to be competitive in four years. So, yeah. He resides. I don't know. I think it'll be quicker than that with some of the names they've got. They've got, they have some names. They got some names. Um, Not, not, not soon. Not soon. Right. Jack Johnson's out in Pittsburgh. <laughs> But Cody CC's in one hey, year, $1.25 million. Don't forget don't... about Mike Matheson. Okay. I, I, why did they bring in CC? Anchor why? that right side. I don't have an answer for you, unfortunately. Um, Tristan Jari was like, oh, Jack's a great guy, but sweet, a little less high offensive chances. Oh, and there's Cody CC. <sighs> Again, I can, Pittsburgh fans hear the Jaws music. We would, da-na. Listen, this isn't me being me me being a Toronto the guy leaving Toronto and me absolutely dumping on him. Number one, I dumped on dumped on the guy all year and I feel awful. Not really, but he must be a great guy. Um Ottawa fans were saying the same thing when he came to Toronto. So take it from them. I don't know what else to say. Like this, I don't know why why you did this. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I don't know what this, what that lineup's going to look like. I want to see if Daily Faceoff updated their lines because, like right now, I literally have no idea what on earth this lineup looks like. I think the way I see it is maybe they have that, you know, like they 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 have to insist that they have the left right balance. <laughs> Because, like, aside from after Chris Latang and after um, John Marino, everyone else is a left-hand shot. So I'm like, I don't know, balance it out. They don't even have – I don't know if they just haven't updated yet. They just don't have Cody CC in the lineup on daily face-off. That could be because it's just not updated yet. Imagine a bottom pairing of Michael Matheson and Cody CC. 
Well, it was cheaper than everyone we initially thought. They didn't know Jack Johnson was going to get bought out. They had like over nine million on their on their uh, on their bottom pairing. It's just it's so hard to look at. Confusing for sure because when I look now on that lineup, like getting rid of Hornquist, like that really kind of thinned out the bottom six. Like they still have Mark Jankowski, like. Um, and like Jared McCann, like Sam Lafferty, those type of guys. But it just, I don't know. It just Evan Rodriguez is projected to be on the third line, and I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't let that doesn't feel right with me. Do you know what's crazy? You have the projection projections up, right, Daniel? Yeah. Do you see who's on the fourth line left wing? Brandon Tanov making three and a half million dollars. Yeah. For a few more years, because <laughs> then they give him stupid turnovers like a six yeah six. They almost they were gonna sign Chris Tanev by the way, and give him, I guess five years because he they wanted him and his brother to end on the same year. How nice of them! Yeah, reminds me of the Shen brothers in Philadelphia. How how absolutely generous. Where's Freddie Hamilton right now? I think he retired right. Did he it? was with Carolina, right? I remember that being a story. That was the Calgary one, I think. He was in Calgary? Because he was drafted by San Jose, and then Dougie Hamilton didn't like that. Like I think they waived him when they were both on Calgary. Boo-hoo. Um, yeah, he is currently mean, not playing. Boo-hoo. I'd be pretty pissed off if my brother got traded, too. I mean, Brady Shed did it. They didn't complain when Lucien was salary dumped to LA. You can't just say it's hawk. Like it's a business, Adam. It's a business. I understand you want to play with your brother. brother. I I understand you want to play with your brother. I mean, the Stahl brothers kept getting traded. They get traded every other year, dude. (laughs) Stahl brothers getting traded is a mainstay of the offseason. Um. Just like, have some sympathy. I mean, like, come on. clearly he's not that good. Well, uh, now you just okay. Now you're just okay. Okay, right. it's it's situational based. Uh, listen, if it's the good of the franchise, sure. But I mean, like, all I'm saying is have a bit of sympathy for Dougie. I mean, like, it's his brother. There okay. aren't a lot of people you care about more than your brother. Sorry if he cares. Okay, <laughs> but you have to touch the nerve with me because, like, 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 dude, that's your brother. Like sorry, okay. but like. Okay. What about the Leafs? They traded Nolan VC, then tried to then signed Jimmy VC. Well, <laughs> where's Nolan VC? Thank you, Dan. He's technically on Edmonton. I think they signed him to an entry level deal. Did they? Yeah. Of okay. course they did. The Leafs got like a conditional seventh for him. All right. Um, the, <laughs> He's is... at UFA. Oh, okay. So, listeners, keep an eye out because we should have an announcement coming soon about an up- upcoming episode, just ironing out details. But, listen, we don't really know when the offseason is kind of done or kind of, you know, <laughs> because there are still guys who need to sign, like Hamannick and, like, excuse that noise, like Hamannick, like Hoffman. So, we might have to have a bit of stretches of, like, hey, let's look at Minnesota. Let's look at Calgary. But one thing I really, really, really want to do, because I was not ready to have this conversation last episode, and now I am. I have a random idea right now. Sorry? No, just to go on. I just have a random idea after. Okay. What's your random idea? Go ahead. 
all-time Atlanta Thrashers lineup. I, there could be some good players on there. I don't even know where yeah. to start with that. Ray Ferraro. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anthony Stewart. So, Philip Deneau, here's the debate. The big question here is, should the Canadians re-sign Philip Deneau? Is that fair? Is that the big question here? Doesn't make sure. sense, right? Okay. Depends what he wants. I don't think he's getting it. He should be around five. You give him the Pajot deal. Like, that's what you give him. Okay. Now, Alex, what was your, why, why shouldn't they? You cannot pay a third line center, which he will be a third line center, $5 million. And why not? Uh, go look at the New York Islanders right now and tell me how they're going to re sign Matthew Barzell and Ryan Pulak. Like your teams are eventually going to get into this. A, a team who's paying a third line center five million dollars will like eventually get into this situation. When yeah, but then got Adam. Gonna, other guys are going to get paid. Yeah. But, okay. Okay. All right. So here's here's where I disagree with you. Is first of all, like I look at stuff like Tampa Bay. They got in trouble, yes, because they had Tyler Johnson and Yanni Gordon making five on their bottom six. And again, wingers, if you have to overpay anywhere and for any sort of player, I would argue you get a top five Selkie guy and you pay him for a center. Now, if that means that you have to go ELCs and cheap you know, options on your wing, you do that. The Canadians are not a team. If I, I have belief that a team of the, like the Leafs that have four players at $40 million, when the Canadians, yes, price makes $10 million. Shea Weber makes less than eight. And then everyone else is, they don't, they're a team that is built to score by committee. And if you can afford, even if it's just your center to be a bit more pricey down there, I think you do it. It's just, you can't have a guy like Paul Byron making the money he does. I just think it's a different sort of conversation. It has nothing to do. I didn't even bring up Toronto. I use the, I I didn't say you did. Right. But you use Toronto as an example and they're in a very different circumstance where they're paying four guys $40 million. And I don't agree with that, but you look at other teams who are going to pay big guys. They cannot afford to have a $5 million center as their uh, $5 million guy as their third line center. You have to, then you have to sacrifice other things. You have to be willing to sacrifice that your bottom six is probably going to be mostly replacement level guys. And your deep, like, the defense isn't going to be as deep. And again, those guys are going to be on ELCs too. So those are all that like, you're going to have to make other sacrifices to have $5 million as your third line center. It's the most important position in the game beside goaltending. I think you have, I think it, it's an option. And again, you then all of a sudden have this fantastic defensively minded player who has made guys like Tatar, and now I understand he'll be third-line center, but he he makes the game easier for other players. He allows them to go and be able to play their game. He makes it easier for everyone else on the ice. And again, the Islanders you brought up, they have guys like Komarov making, what does he make, 2.7 or something? You can't do that with your... You can keep that center down there if you don't overpay your fourth line. You can't do that. That That's a but it's not much different. Okay, but okay, so an average third line guy makes how much? On the wing, a winger. 
Okay, who's the third line winger? Just what an is- average third line winger. What would you be comfortable paying him at? What does Craig Smith make? Three million dollars? Yeah. Third line winger, yeah. So give me a second. Uh, I Let me like just two, pull this up. Two million. <laughs> two, three million, yeah. Around there. But then yeah, you, you rely on your young guys, you rely on the guys who with ALCs and that. That's Barton Bergerman has just admitted that. I mean that is at any point, if you have a successful team, you have to rely on having those young guys on cheaper contracts and Tampa are getting in trouble with it right now, but the Canadians do not have to pay a single guy, eight or $9 million. Sorry, multiple guys. They pay carry price, $10 million. Yes. But they don't have to pay Kucherov nine and whatever. Hedman. Sorry. Here's what's really funny. Hedman and Lever have like the same cap. It's very, very close. It's insane how good that deal is. Uh, especially like Hedman because Weber is a bit older, a lot older. Mm-hmm. And because I, I get like Steven Stamkos, like injury problems two seasons ago, nearly scored 50 again. If Nick Suzuki turns into seven and I hope he trust me, I hope he does. If he turns into that and the same with Kakinemi, sure. And if you have to bridge them, yes, it's going to cause you troubles later on, but they have a window, and that window is the lifespan of Price and Weber, and you do whatever you can. And again, if you cheap out on your depth, guys, yes, that's fine. That's not a problem. If you if you don't have the best fourth-line wingers, you can make up for it for having a quality depth center like Phil Deneau. And it's not like he doesn't... He may have said, I don't want to play third-line center, but his no. agent just said he wants to re-sign. So no, he, yeah. he recognizes his role and he still wants to stay. And you get that player. You have that quality. You have that skill set. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's fine. If he wants to be third line center, that's fine. I'm just saying, I don't think the $5 million is justifiable. Then I guess we're just not going to see eye to eye. Absolutely I mean, not. Yeah. If, if, if Yanni Gore, if, the, if Tampa won a, won a cup paying their top guys what they pay, yeah. and Yanni Gord is making $5 million, I will gladly give my third line center again. And look at the guy. trouble they're in. Yeah, because again. And Yanni Gord's not a third line guy. Because they have the top line guys. Montreal will, Nick Suzuki is not going to make $9 million. And even if he does reach that level of player, because the situation the world is in with the cap, going flat, he's not going to make that money. He won't. It's just as simple as that. And if you have to sacrifice Paul Byron, you sacrifice Paul Byron. If you need to right. sacrifice Ben Chirot, you sacrifice Ben Chirot. Because look, Tampa also, if we're looking at them, their left side was garbage. It was just, you had a quality of right side, and that's exactly what Montreal have. You have a window, you freaking go for it. No, they have a quality left side. Hedman, McDonough, Sorry, yeah, I got it mixed up. Yeah, yeah. Evan McDonough, Sergachev, and then the right side is like Bogosian, Jan Ruta. And, Shen. and yeah, Shattenkirk's fine, but I mean like defending your own. Eric Chernak. Eric Chernak. Oh, yeah. I just, I think it makes perfect sense for the Canadians to do it. That's just, it's just in my opinion, I, I think you do it. And you know what? It just, I, I think for, like, this is my opinion. Like, I think it just depends on where you want to go with this. I don't think they have to give him an extension right away, but just to see how things go, because like, Phil Deneau's really kind of surprised me the last few years of what he can be. But at the same time, it's just like, how much are you willing to pay on expected on what you want to do? Because the Canadians could still surprise coming out of this. It's just, you know, like I, I think about Jordan Stahl in this situation where, you know, he's probably playing 
a lot deeper minutes now in Carolina, but you know, you can still see him being that third line guy. But at the same time too, like it's like he's been like that his whole career. Or if I look at Andrew Ladd when he was on Carolina or when he was on Chicago, where you know he's still getting a really that similar cap hit. But at the same time, too, he was seeing the third line, even when the Blackhawks won. And or when Jordan Stahl, even when the Penguins won in 2009, he was playing that third line and he was still getting quite a bit of money. And I think it just really depends on what you're going to kind of see yourself with a guy like Phil Deneau at that age, because the angles I just used were a lot younger than him at that time. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, then is that everything then? Are we good? Oh, Mac Reslick. Oh God, yeah. His family were happy. Did you see? Did you guys see that? Uh, so, yeah. He Pete Blackburn tweeted, "That's great." And I guess a relative or just a family member, Matt Grizzly, was like, "Yeah, he loves it." Um, let me. Do you, Alex? Do you have the deal exactly right in front of you? Uh, yeah. Four years, three point six, eight seven five. This is steal. Is it's it? Like, it's again a Bruins guy. I don't even. He fits the system so well, and apparently a lot of people expect him that he's going to take a bit of a, another step to well, it. It's kind of like a Mackenzie Weger, but like with a bit of offensive upside. Well, they they need him to take another step. They, I don't. Yeah. They don't really they have. Do. <laughs> they don't really have any other options at the moment. Jakob Zaboral, like saying that guy, or Uro Vakaninen. I'm so happy you said it. I, I, I always feel bad that I can never say his name properly. They've got some really funny, like, they've got some really good names there. Zanishin, Zanishin. I don't think we're ever going to say that. Jacob Forsbacca Carlson. They've got some really quality names there. Zidane Chara, who apparently is listening to all options, but, like, what, he's going Except to Ottawa, which that, is unfortunate. That is. Well, Pierre Dorian said they're not going after him. but Really? That's what they said. Uh, he said on hockey, like he didn't explicitly say we're not going after him, but it seemed like the door was kind of shut on that one. I, uh, I, I don't know if he he would want it. Was Eugene still the owner when they kind of did him dirty? Oh, I don't, I don't know about I can't that. Remember? Find out next time. We'll on Dragon out. Ball. On Dragon Ball Z. All right. Um, Daniel, would you like to do the end ad read? I mean, the, um, the outro. For sure. You know, it's been a fun episode, guys. Uh, listeners, thank you again for tuning in for the 2 and one podcast. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe wherever you can. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, especially YouTube. You know, we did a lot of great screen sharing today. You know, some quality stuff right there. You don't want to miss out on that. Um, Thank you to Voice Edge for always continually giving us that platform. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We're really funny on Twitter, we promise. And um, remember to give us any comments that you kind of find. You know, if there's if you don't give us five stars, we understand. But you know, if there's a comment you want us to kind of, you know, talk about something that you kind of feel that would be best for the show, send it anything. We will talk about it. We will make sure that you are heard on the show. Uh, also remember a bingo, you know, that'd be great. Send in your bingo sheets. That's going to be fun. We promise. And, and my YouTube channel. And Adam's YouTube channel. Remember pretty quality stuff. You know, I like the backgrounds. Very consistent. Check out Alex's own stuff with 
his guest appearances? I have. Um, yeah, I found. I have the answer to the question. Oh, about Eugene. Yeah, he was. Okay. So Eugene purchased the team in two thousand and three for ninety-two million U.S. dollars. Wow. Dano Chara left the Ottawa Senators and the 06 free agency. Damn. Wow. All right. That's all it. right. Before we go, remember to our personal accounts already as well oh, yeah. on social media. That's remember it. to follow us too. We are equally as fun as we are together, but you know, we're better together. All right. Bye guys. Mm-hmm.